Hello everyone and welcome to our Irwin Review Regional Roundtable Series brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. My name is Nuno Gouveia, partner at Miranda Alliance Miranda Associates. The DLA Global Employment Law Irwin Review Series is classically our most popular series of the year focusing on the most impactful regulations of past year and forecasting what employers can expect in the current year. Today, we are going to be chatting with lawyers from GELA member jurisdictions from our Africa Middle East region. Joining us today are, from Oman, Gorvinder Panu, partner at Edel Chargotard, from Qatar, Eme Egan, partner at Clarin Co., and lastly, from the United Arab Emirates, Ben Brau, partner at Edel Chargotard. What a great panel representing Africa and Middle East for this special year interview podcast. Thank you all for joining us. How are you today? Thank you, Nina. Very well. How are things with you? Good, good. Emma and Ben, hope you are doing well as well. So without further ado, Emma, I'm going to perhaps put you the first question and pass the floor to, to the other speakers. Well, my first question is then, what were the most significant legal changes in 2022? that impacted employers in your countries? Meaning, have there been any leadership, government changes that have impacted on your jurisdiction, or are you anticipating any in 2023? Emma, can you lead us off here? Thank you, Nuno. Thank you very much for your question. Happy New Year, by the way. Look, for CASA, there's nothing from a leadership and government point of view, Nuno. And it's to be expected, really, given the tenure of the CASA ruling Althani family the last change we actually had was in 2013. But after the extended run-up to the World Cup, which took place in November and December of last year, we do expect to see a change in the direction of the market towards the CATA 2030 vision. For instance, there is a focus on education. And actually, I heard on the grapevine last week that there are six new international universities coming into the market uh, in the next 12 to 24 months. So I have to find out where that information came from and work out what's going on. And from a health perspective, as you may be aware from Qatar's 2010 World Cup pitch, some of the stadia where the World Cup pitches took place will now be repositioned as medical care facilities and and a hospital. And we also have a new health insurance law. So I think we're rather looking at a change of direction rather than a change of leadership. Great, Emma. So, Gurvinder, what is the position of Omae on this? Can you please enlighten us on that? Thanks, Nuna. Yes, we, we had a change in leadership in January 2020 when His Majesty Sultan Qaboos al-Sayed passed away and was succeeded by His Majesty Sultan Haytham bin Tariq. And this led to a reshuffling of the cabinet and a restructure of the ministries as well as the wholly owned semi-owned government entities, which followed as part of an efficiency drive. Oman is pressing ahead with its Oman 2040 vision with five-year plans to diversify from its oil-based economy into manufacturing, tourism, transport and logistics, and mining and agriculture and fisheries sectors. There was the 5% VAT that was introduced in the 21-22 financial year. And there have been changes over the last couple of years in the foreign investment legislation to attract and make it easier to do business in Oman, as well as introducing long-term residence visas for investors. 
we are expecting to see the development of more economic zones in the country. And there's also a plan to build a hydrogen-centric economy. Uh, and the government actually recently announced several green hydrogen and renewable projects. This in turn will lead to greater employment opportunities in the country and also consequently further laws and regulations being introduced as well. Okay, thanks, Gurvinder. Well, what a great news from, from Ahmed. Lastly, Ben, what is the position of the United Arab Emirates on the same question? Thanks, Nuno. It's great to be working with ELA again uh, as the new member for the UAE. President Sheikh Khalifa bin Zayed Al Nahyan passed away early in 2022 uh, and was succeeded by his brother, His Highness Sheikh Mohammed bin Zayed Al Nahyan. The change in leadership is not expected to have a, a significant effect on the UAE's legislative agenda which actually saw significant developments in December 2021, so shortly before the previous president passed away, uh, with the enactment of 50 new pieces of major legislation, including the new UAE labor law. Dubai has also very recently announced its economic plan for the next decade, which involves doubling its foreign trade and investments to become one of the top four global financial centers in the world. Uh, these ambitious plans are likely to involve further moves to relax immigration policies and make the labor market more flexible for international employers and certainly more attractive for skilled employees. Great, Ben. Well, pleasure again to welcome you. I'm going to pass then to a very hot topic, which is related to, to, to remote work. So, my question to the panel is, how is each jurisdiction tackling hybrid work from home, return to office, and or cross-border remote work, meaning what we call work from anywhere? This time, I'm going to pass the floor to you, Garvinda. Please give us the position of all my own. It's a very hot topic. Thanks, Nuno. Well, whilst the COVID pandemic saw the implementation of remote and agile working patterns, Amman has not actually gone on to introduce any formal legislation introducing such work patterns. Now, with the pandemic behind us, the majority of employees, both in the public and private sectors, have returned to the office and to work sites on a full-time basis. The exception being some of the market leaders, the, the larger international organizations who tend to adopt the international policies of their global organization, which invariably allows for remote and hybrid working. Now, work productivity still does remain a central issue here in Oman. And because of that, I do not see hybrid working being the norm anytime soon. Having said that, the Ministry of Labour very recently announced early last week that it is studying a four-day working week. So that's going to be interesting. And currently, Oman still does uh, work to a Friday-Saturday weekend, which is the norm in the GCC apart from the UAE. So again, it'll be interesting to see in relation to working days, whether there's going to be any change in Oman and indeed across the region, which perhaps you know, Emma might wish to comment on further. Okay, great, Gurvinder. Great news from, from Oman. Well, uh, Ben, I know that Hawaii is the champion of the Work From Anywhere program. So please give us the, what is the position on this topic. Thanks. You know, so yes, 
whilst there was some temporary regulations issued during the pandemic to facilitate working from home, there wasn't actually any primary legislation enacted specifically relating to working from home. However, there was one extremely significant development in the form of the introduction of the remote working visa, which has very much impacted the way business is done in the UAE. The visa, it's often known as a nomad visa in other jurisdictions, but the visa allows individuals who are employed by a company outside the UAE to live and work in the UAE. And it allows employers to relocate employees to what is essentially an employment tax-free jurisdiction without having to establish an entity within the country, without having to obtain a business license in the UAE, and in without having to create an employment relationship under UAE employment and labor law. So it really does provide international employers with an easy way of resourcing their operations by relocating employees to the UAE from other jurisdictions which are facing certainly geopolitical challenges at the moment. The visa is relatively easy and cheap to obtain, and certainly we have first-hand experience of it being heavily utilized by multinationals and their employees. So a really significant development and one which I expect other countries in the region are looking at quite closely and will probably end up replicating. Well, very big news from from, from UAE indeed. So lastly, Emma, please give us the, the views of Qatar on this very hot topic. Qatar is very similar, to be quite honest with you, to the UAE and to Oman. We didn't enact any laws or regulations or guidelines, to be quite honest with you, in relation to home or remote working. There was some documentation issued by the Qatar Financial Centre for licensed entities of things to think of when people were returning to work or working remotely in a transitional period, but not quite the same and not enforceable and really just, you know, nice to have. Also, I should say, we don't have a remote visa or any of those things. Qatar is still quite rigid in relation to the establishment of a legal entity and that legal entity being able to employ. I have spoken to a lot of clients in preparation for this podcast and also peers over the last few weeks. On a really rough estimate, I think that about 80% of Qatar is now working back in the office. So we did have for the eight weeks of the World Cup, we had 20% of people in the office for government offices and also an 80-20 split between 7am and 11am in the morning for working. I mean, actually, this office worked full time, but a lot of people took, obviously, the opportunity to do very little over an eight-week period. And the schools were shut as well. So it, it was an opportunity that people took extended ski trips. But I mean, really now the population is back at work. I think in relation to what Govinda said in terms of how people work and productivity, we probably are going to stay that way. There is an exception that I'm noticing amongst my IT clients and also international consultants, as Govinda said, are often working under international policies and procedures. Practically, where people aren't working in the office, They're working two to three days in the office. And I noticed that the remote working that people are referring to at the moment in Qatar is between two and six weeks. 
of working away from Qatar. So that's quite a big differential, actually. We're advising on a lot of the matters that typically concern clients. And these would include the absence of the legal framework in order to work from home and to work remotely. Uh, Tax consequences, obviously, if you're going to create a permanent place of establishment in a country that you're not actually currently in and then subject to their tax laws. Health and safety. How do you ensure that someone's bedroom isn't going to cause some issues and that sitting on their bed isn't going to give them a bad back? Insurance, communication between people in the workplace, confidentiality. What do you do with the papers that you need to shred? I have spent a lot of time this week advising on where people aren't quite sure what they're meant to write on a WhatsApp group and often write the wrong thing and offend people. And then actually annual leave. How do you manage annual leave when actually people are at home or remote working and you're not really sure what they're doing? So a lot of things to think about. It's all a bit of a movable feast at the moment until sort of any sort of legal framework is brought in and or uh, international companies and local companies sort of decide really between them what the market norm will be in each different jurisdiction. Great, Emma. Well, great news and great news from from Qatar. Well, people, I'm going to now pass to, to our last question. So we'll start with you, Ben. What are your predictions for 2023? meaning employment law updates, changes, anticipated, to have the biggest impact on HR. Thanks, Nuno. I see two key areas for HR professionals to deal with in the UAE in 2023. Firstly, emiratization, number one. Secondly, compliance with the new labor law, the new UA labor law, which came into force in February 2022. So starting off with emiratization, which is the UAE government's policy of increasing the employment of UAE nationals in the private sector. It's a central pillar of the UAE government's plan for economic development over the course of the next decade. And while the programme of emiratization has existed since 2005, there has been a recent move to focus on enforcement of the programme itself. With effect from January 2023, all companies outside of the UAE's economic free zones uh, with more than 50 employees are required to ensure that at least 2% of their workforce is UAE nationals. The UAE government has announced that since the 1st of January, it has issued fines of 400 million dirhams against companies which have failed to comply with their emiratization. It's a very real challenge for employers in the UAE. And fines will increase each year for companies which fail to comply. The employment of UAE nationals is very much going to be material consideration for HR professionals of medium to large companies in in the UAE going forward. I think the second area of focus is compliance with the new UAE labor law. There's going to be many aspects to compliance. And unfortunately, time does not really allow for me to cover all of them in this podcast today. But I think the main takeaway is that UAE employers have until the beginning of February, so two weeks time. So this is a timely reminder to ensure that all employees are transitioned onto new employment contracts, which comply with the new uh, legislation. There are other aspects of the new UAE labor law, particularly around the application of the provisions relating to the award of arbitrary dismissal compensation which I think will be an area of close scrutiny as the year progresses, but hopefully there will be uh, time in a subsequent podcast to cover those in, in a little bit more detail. Great, Ben. 
well, very big news from, from the UAE. Well, Emma, what is your views on 2023, what 2023 is going to give us regarding employment law? Well, it's not a big prediction because we've already got both laws. But Qatar has a new mandatory health insurance law, which is, is in effect. And we also have the implementing guidelines. It's just that we can't put it into effect as yet because we don't have everything in place to do so. So that, that will be a big thing for 2023. Questions like who can provide the health insurance, the law and the guidelines say it has to be a Qatar registered entity. But where's that registered? Is it registered in the state? Is it registered in the Qatar financial centre, in the Qatar free zone? Can people sell products, for instance, through another Qatar registered entity? So who will the Ministry of Public Health register and allow to provide this insurance? That's one. And then in addition, it's, we've been told it's going to be rolled out in different tranches. So before the World Cup, they announced a 50 VR premium for all visitors, but that hasn't been implemented as yet. And you would have thought it would have been implemented given we had one and a half million visitors coming to Qatar and they could have made a lot of money. So that is an interesting one. We also have a new pensions law. We don't have the implementing legislation for that as yet, but it is in effect. It's going to materially change the way that the private sector has to remunerate in terms of pensions its category nationals. So in the past, only category nationals of about 63 companies were subject to the pensions law. And only GCC nationals who were working in those 63 companies actually benefited from pensions. Now, under the new law, all categories in the private sector will benefit. They will have to work longer in order to benefit. But the percentages that the employer will have to pay have gone up. The jury is out in relation to GCC nationals, and we have a GCC national working for us. So actually, we'll probably be the first law firm that works out exactly whether or not GCC nationals are covered. But that, that will be a big thing. The fines are really high, imprisonment and sort of penalties. So people will have to get up to speed with that when it comes into effect. Other things to think about. We've got a lot of people obviously demobilising, you know, after the World Cup events. But the Qatar Olympic Committee announced, I think it was last week, 81 events, sporting events that will take place in Qatar this year. So lots of my companies that were established and, and set up for the World Cup are actually staying. So we're getting rid of a lot of lots of employees are will now move to Mexico, Canada, America to start the process of the World Cup there. And I've got a lot of companies that are now mobilizing people that have more specific F1 squash, table tennis, etc, cetera, etc, cetera, um, skills, which is interesting. And then really, I guess we haven't had a new law we did have tweaks in the year 2020, but we're still grappling in Qatar with this, whether or not a fixed term contract exists because of the amendments that were made to one of the articles in our labour law. And so I think that's going to pan out a little bit this year. For instance, can you be employed on a two year fixed term contract, then give notice? And is that going to be the same rule for an employee as it is for an employer? So watch this space in relation to that. I expect some, some precedents or at least some indications to come out from the Labour Disputes Committee as to how they feel about fixed-term contracts in 2023. Well, great news. Well, Rubinda, you know my predictions for 2023. 
Thanks, Luna. I, well, I predict that the employment landscape is going to be particularly busy this coming year. The new personal data protection law comes into force next month on the 13th of February. Now, this was issued last year in 2022, and employers have had a year to get their house in order, if you like, to be compliant with the data protection law. But having spoken to a number of companies here, there is still a lot of work to do. Now, as in you know, most jurisdictions which have data protection laws, the Oman data protection law will impose a number of obligations on employers in relation to how they collect, process, store, and transmit employees' personal data. We are still waiting for the regulations, which will flesh out the framework provisions. Regardless of that, the law is going to take effect. And in terms of the main central issues, employers are going to have to be ready. Failure to comply is going to lead to hefty penalties. Again, this is not unusual compared to other jurisdictions. We're looking at thousands of VLs or fines uh, for non-compliance. So obviously, this podcast, we can't deal with all of that. But that is certainly going to be keeping employers and HR practitioners and IT staff particularly busy over the course of the next few months at least. Also, more excitingly, we are expecting a new labour law to be introduced in the coming months. So the current labour law was passed in 2003, so quite a while ago. And whilst there have been piecemeal amendments, the new labour law we are envisaging will be a complete replacement, very similar to the UAE, completely new labour law that uh, Ben mentioned earlier. The draft is currently under review by the Shura Council, which is the consultative and low elected house of the Amman Council Parliament. Once they have reviewed and provided their feedback, that, that will then go to the Council of Ministers and we will estimate that the new law will be passed around April, May, most likely. Having said that, you know, this has been under discussion for a number of years, but it is looking much more imminent, particularly following the recent statement by His Majesty late last year. What else are we expecting? Well, the compulsory medical health insurance law. There isn't a draft in circulation at the moment, but the CMA, that's the Capital Market Authority, has issued a number of rules and regulations applicable to insurance companies so that they have their minimum requirements in order to roll out that insurance. And then we're expecting on the back of that sometime this year, a law requiring employers to compulsory insure their employees and potentially their dependents as well with basic health insurance. Again, I think very similar to the position in the UAE, Ben. And again, you know, the back of what uh, Qatar is doing. So I think this is going to bring Oman in line with the rest of the region. And then finally, you know, once we see the new labour law introduced, we are anticipating changes to the retirement provisions and state pensions law, but that will only be applicable to Omani nationals. We have to wait and see how that will impact GCC nationals working in Oman. So that's a space to watch. In the meantime, I'm expecting some further movement in the trade union area. We recently had a a very employer-friendly 
change to the trade union regulations limiting the formation of trade unions to those employers with 50 or more employees. Now, it remains to be seen what is going to happen to those trade unions who, which are already in place where the workforce is quite small. So again, you know, that's something else that we're going to have to wait and see. We are expecting the new labour law to introduce a requirement in relation to holding ballots for strike action. So again, yeah, it's going to be something that we are all eagerly anticipating over the next coming months. Thank you. Thanks, Gorvina. Well, great predictions for this year in relation to Oman. Well, folks, this is all the time that we have today. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope that this has been as insightful for you as it has been for me. Well, I would like to thank Emma, Gorvina, and Ben for being such a great speakers. Well, if you would like to connect with Gorvinda, Emma, or Ben, please click on their bios in the description of this podcast. We also encourage you to reach out to any of our lawyers around the world by selecting Find a Lawyer on the ELA website at ELA.com. Information about all of the programs available in the 2023 e-review series can be accessed in the notes of this podcast. You've been listening to the Year in Review Region Roundtable, a series brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Nungo Vaya. Thanks for listening.